Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Big thanks to our sponsor, 16 Degrees Coaching. Do you feel stuck in your current job? Do you wish you had a career you loved? James, from 16 Degrees Coaching, specialises in working with people like you. He'll help you find clarity in what you want to do next, even when you have no idea yourself, and confidence to move forwards. To see the success James has had in helping others with their careers, and to find out what he can do for you, visit his website, 16degreescoaching.co.uk, to book a free consultation or follow the link on ours. Hello, I'm Susie Coulson and welcome to The Backstory. Ali is 50 and has had a life less ordinary, a complex childhood followed by a variety of troubled relationships. Heads up, this podcast contains adult themes, so it's definitely not suitable for children. This is a two-parter and we enter part one midway through Ali's life, leading up to some shocking events. At the time, she has two children from her first marriage, an older daughter, who we won't name, and her son, Ben. She has very regular contact with them both, but they live with their dad nearby. After the breakdown of her first marriage, Ali had just met a new man, who she was starting to see every weekend. Ali hadn't had a good time with men up until this point. But finally, perhaps, things were going to take a turn for the better? He was... Uh, professing his undying love for me and not wanting to go back to Birmingham. And I was a bit, mm, a bit kind of, yeah, I'm not entirely sure about you. But he wore me down. <laughs> and I would say probably within about six months he'd moved in. And we got married in 1997. So we, yeah, it wasn't very long, probably about two years when we got married. He proposed to you, like, tell me about the wedding. Um, no, I proposed to him. It was a leap year. <laughs> So I proposed to him um, and yeah, and he, obviously he said yes. And so we got married quite shortly after that um, and we had already bought a house um, and things were going quite well. Actually, I was working in London. I was a sales marketing manager for a dot com and he was making fire surrounds for a company. He was a carpenter. They both had two children by previous partners and they went on to have their son Connor together in 1998. Ali's two older children lived with their dad and visited at weekends, and Connor lived full-time with Ali and her husband. Ali had had some tricky relationships in the past, and she felt like this one was different. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it just seemed, I thought I had found my soulmate, what he really was, and he was younger than me, four years younger than me. Um, and we, I think we bonded over so many different things, although we were also very different. And I was acutely aware of the big differences between us. He wasn't the most respectful of people, let's say, of women. Um, had very odd things that he would say about them. But it didn't really flag anything to me because he wasn't like that to me. So, you know, to be honest, I kind of ignored it, I suppose, or just accepted it was him. When you said he said things about other women, just tell me what you sort of mean by that. Um, yeah, he just would say, um, just awful. he had awful terminology, let's say, that he would use, which I don't really think I should probably say. <laughs> Having never had a particularly stable family life, Ali felt she had found that at last. People would say, oh my goodness, we wish we were like you two. You know, you get on so well. Uh, we would finish each other's sentences. We really, you know, we really understood each other. Um, and so, yes, in 2000, we started up our own business together. I gave my job up. He gave up his. Um, and uh, he made furniture. So we promoted him from a carpenter to a cabinet maker. And we put ads in all the glossies, the home magazines, and started making furniture for very wealthy people. Ali's childhood was marred by abuse, which we will explore more in episode two. So she desperately wanted this happy family life. My, yeah, my kids were living with their dad. Um, and my daughter, she kind of hit that tricky age that girls hit, so her early teens. I knew there were things going on um, at home that she wasn't very happy about and generally she was a bit angsty um, and one day I think my youngest son was quite small and um, we were sitting at home quite late one night and a message came in on my phone from my daughter saying I want to come and live with you can you collect me tomorrow morning and I couldn't quite believe what I'd read and I showed it to my then husband and he just went wow he wasn't as into the idea as I was um, and he said, really? Oh, I don't know if we should. And I said, look, <laughs> I'm going there tomorrow morning to collect my daughter. And that's what I did. And I remember, I, I can't remember being more excited, I don't think. So I rocked up to pick her up, put her stuff in the car, um, drove her home and said, so you've, you know, you've told your dad because he wasn't there. She said, no, I haven't told him. I said, OK, well, I think you do need to tell him. So that was a bit difficult. And he was understandably very upset. My son was very upset. But she did what she wanted to do. She came to live with us and I was over the moon, really happy. And my youngest son, of course, very happy because he had his big sister there. Ali's eldest son, Ben, who is now in his late 20s, told me about how life was for him and his sister living with their dad, which had started off well between the ages of around 5 to 12. And then kind of as you get older, there's certain things like he used to go down the pub a lot. I used to get very drunk a good four or five days a week, I'd say. Um, and then you become kind of more aware of everything that's happening. Um, and I did. that's when I kind of started not to really enjoy it. I live with my sister as well, obviously. Um, and he had a girlfriend, which I did not like at all. My sister didn't like. I think actually that was probably one of the reasons why <coughs> she ended up moving out. So it wasn't a surprise that Ali's daughter wanted to come and live with her. And she would have been about 14 at the time. So had you been saying to her for a long time, oh, come and live with us, come and live with us, like, or how had it sort of played out? Um, no, I'd never said to my kids to come and live with me. I was very respectful of the fact that they were with their dad um, and that, you know, he had been bringing them up. We may have had differences of opinion about how he did it, but he did. And um, no, I left that decision purely to them. And in fact, the irony was of the two of them, I thought it was going to be my son that would come and move in. Um, but it wasn't, it was, it was her. 
And how did it go once she moved in with you? It went really well. Yeah, it was good. Got her into school. Um, I loved having her around. I think she settled in really well. Uh, and so like, what was the relationship between your, like, your husband and, and her? Um, my husband and my daughter got on really well. They had always got on really well. And, you know, a couple of people have said they get on really, really well. I think she had a little bit, I didn't want to say a crush, because I don't think it was that. But I think she looked up to him because he was obviously uh, younger than me, so closer to her age. Um, I think they were about 17 years between the two of them. So it wasn't like having a really older dad. You know, he was 17 years older than her and he was quite cool. So I think she quite liked that. Um, So they they got on really, really well. Ali had not lived with her daughter full-time since she was very small. And obviously, her second husband, her daughter's stepdad, had never lived with her before. Like, what was your first sort of inkling that something wasn't quite right? Um, In 2004, in the summer of 2004, he and I and my youngest son went off on holiday and my daughter went off on holiday with a friend of hers. So we all went off about the same time. And it was obvious then that things weren't quite right between us, which was odd because things had been incredibly good between us and we'd got on really really well so I knew there was something wasn't quite right and as the end of that year approached it became more and more obvious and he would say strange things and do strange things he started collecting my daughter from college because she was in college by then um and so he would pick her up and then bring her home whereas I would say she can get the train it's you know the train is next to the college we live not that far away and he said no 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 I'll pick her up um and then we went shopping in the sales and he said oh we ought to buy these and it was sort of like underwear and stuff and I say I don't really think we should be she needs to make those decisions he said no no I think she should have all these things so little things like that that made me think hmm but nothing really that I could put my finger on I just thought it was a bit strange and then in the early part of 2005 um I realized that he was having an affair because he was virtually never at home. I think at this point, maybe Ali was in two minds as to who that affair was with. Perhaps she was trying not to admit something to herself. He would hardly speak to me. Um, and what happened was he started coming back less and less. And when he didn't come back, my daughter wouldn't come back. Um, and then in March 2005, uh, I found them together in her bedroom. Um, and they were asleep the first time I found them, he was at the end of her bed. She was in her bed. Um, they were both fully clothed and apparently they'd been drinking. And so I made it perfectly clear that I wasn't happy that my 17-year-old daughter was drinking, even though he might be there. But they were watching films. And so it, he always had an excuse for why they were together and not with everybody else. Ben, Ali's older son, would have been 15 at the time. Uh, so I was quite young and I didn't live there all the time. Well, I didn't live there. Um, I was there every, I think, every weekend for the weekend. Um, so I, I, I guess I wasn't really there to see. And I was quite young and naive. I know when I was there, there were times when me and my sister would be spending time together in her bedroom, like watching a film or something. Um, and I, I would go out and it was probably like dinner time or whatever. And then after dinner, maybe he would go in there and be like, oh, we're just going to spend a bit of time together, like watching telly or something. Which I suppose from like my point of view, you're 14, 15 year old um, and your mum's other half's trying to spend some nice time together um, with like your your sister or whatnot. You just, you wouldn't know anything else. 
it's just like they're bonding, spending some time together, and he's making an effort, I guess, but ultimately not really what it turned out to be. Ali couldn't believe or work out quite what was going on. Um, and then I found them probably a few weeks later. Again, this time he was in the bed with her with all his clothes on and she had her clothes on, but nonetheless, again, highly inappropriate. And I told him what I thought of that. But he was very clever and he would start to use the words that had been used to me when I was younger. So he would say, look, you know, no one likes you. I don't like you. She doesn't like you. Um, you know, why are you giving me a hard time? And, and when... I found that that's what he was saying to me. It just instantly took me back to being young and I felt, I think, unable to step up and say anything. I did say something, but he was quite a bully. The way her husband was talking to her was triggering all sorts of memories for Ali, who had been abused in this way at other times in her life, which she tells me more about in part two. And he shouted me down and I didn't have the confidence to, to shout back. And on top of that, I, by that point, didn't actually have any contact with anyone in my family bar my, my dad, who was living in France, so he wasn't on my doorstep. Um, so it was, it was a very difficult situation. And then the third time I found them, I found them together in her bed, and she was virtually naked, and so was he. And I grabbed him out of the bed, and I asked him what was going on, and he screamed in my face, centimetres from my face. It's not, there's nothing going on, it's your sick mind. There's nothing going on, but there were bottles of all sorts in the room. It was quite obvious to me that there was something going on. He actually woke her up and she was very groggy. And he said, you know, your mum thinks there's something going on. Is there? And she went, no. And I looked at her and I thought, I just do not believe you. By her face, I didn't believe her. Um, and I think back now and I think, well, obviously she was groggy because he got her drunk. Um, and at that point, I realised that I had trouble on my hands. Ali's youngest son, Connor who is now 19, was about six or seven at the time, and he can remember this period. I could tell something was off in the house because my mum was a lot more kind of upset than usual, and um, my dad and my sister were acting very weirdly, and she, my sister was acting out even more than usual, actually. Ali's husband's behaviour was changing rapidly, and so was Ali's perception of him. He moved all of his stuff out of the family bathroom into her ensuite bathroom. He just didn't come home. That was it. I hardly saw him. And I had to make a decision what I was going to do. And I said to him, look, you know, I can't work with you anymore. I'd gone up to the workshop one day and there were nude pictures and calendars of women everywhere that all of the suppliers give out to carpenters and stuff every Christmas. And I said, they have to come down. He said, no, they're not coming down. We had a blazing row about these calendars and there was someone who'd started working with him there and he bless him I felt quite sorry for him because you could see that he actually could see what I was trying to say but didn't want to get involved because it was his mate um and I said look I can't work with you anymore with all this going on and he said well that's fine so he cancelled my debit card uh we'd sold our house a year earlier to put all the money into the business and he stopped giving me any money so he then expected me to bring our son up and everything else he was in private school on no money at all. So I said to him, look, um, I can't live like this anymore. There's obviously something going on. You're going to have to leave. I managed to find myself a job. I gave him seven days to leave. And on the seventh day, a Wednesday, which I shall always remember. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Remember, there I was in the office thinking, when I go home, he's going to have gone. Um, my son, my youngest son knew, well, both the boys, to be honest, knew what was going on by that point. It was pretty obvious. Um, my youngest son, when I picked him up at the end of the day from the childminders said, oh, you know, it's, it's going to be fine, mummy. It's going to be fine. And he was only seven. Um, we have to remember that we got home and he had gone. So that was okay. And something just made me check my daughter's room and I went into her room and she'd gone as well. For six-year-old Connor, it must've been really confusing as to what was going on. His sister and his dad moved out together. I remember quite vividly, actually. It's about one of the few things I do remember from this time, which is I literally just came down the stairs because uh, we lived in a two-story house at that time. I came down the stairs and all I saw was my mum just crying on the sofa. I, it was pretty early morning, maybe at seven or eight. Um, and I literally just came downstairs and she was crying and she was just like, I was like, what's wrong, mum? And she's like, dad just gone. And I was like, who? And he was like, your dad and your sister. And I was like, ah. And I literally just comforted her for ages. And I think... In terms of that whole situation, that's the one memory that's always stuck with me, kind of that moment where I came downstairs and I'd realised that something really big had happened and something had changed. And when did you sort of, when did you sort of realise that, um, you know, that they were having an affair and that, that, you know, that that had actually happened? Was that like when you were in your teens or...? Yeah, I think... I didn't really understand at the age of seven kind of what happened I just thought that I don't know maybe a big argument had happened my mum had kicked them both out and that's all there was I didn't really realize that it was an actual affair until maybe 13 14 when I started to understand a bit more kind of the whole thing surrounding relationships so I think maybe in my teens I understood it a lot more than I when I did when I was just younger. Ali broke the news to Ben who understood a bit better as he was 15 at the time. Um, I think we sat down and she spoke me through it and we had a chat about it and then when we spoke about it, to me, it was probably a bit more of like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Not such, but that kind of pieces together some of the things that you've seen and where previously you would have just been like, oh, this is just normal stuff, spending time together, as obviously as families do. Um, and things like, I think they spent um, my, well, my mum's ex um, used to go up to Birmingham to see some of his family uh, every other weekend because that's where he's originally from um, and he would take my sister up with him and I guess for like for me that was again just like him taking her up there to to spend time with that family and for them just to have a a drive and for her to do something else other than sitting around seeing her mates and and that sort of stuff right Literally had no idea. Not a clue. I can't imagine how Ali must have felt and how helpless she was, despite this being her husband and her daughter. What had you been saying to your daughter in that intervening time sort of thing, like when you sort of realised what was going on? 
Um, I hardly spoke to her at all because she wouldn't come home unless he was there. She wouldn't speak to me unless he was there. And she just denied everything. And it's very hard to, to talk to someone when they completely deny everything. You can't, you know, peel their brain open and take everything out. You have to go with what they say. And she was completely and utterly clear that, you know, there was nothing going on and I don't really know what's going on. And she denied, denied, denied. And I suppose, why shouldn't she? She's 17. There's no way she was going to step up and say to me what was really going on. I wish she had, but she didn't. How, what, what was going through your head? Um, it was horrible. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, it took me, after they left, uh, probably about 18 months of going to bed in tears, waking up in tears. I would cry all night because it was such a traumatic thing. But what I knew was I had to keep myself on the straight and narrow because my boys had to see that if something happened, you didn't just crumble. You had to keep going and, and I had to keep going for them because what he wanted was for me to crumble, for my life to crumble, for everything to be terrible and there was no way I was giving him that satisfaction. By this point, Ali's husband and daughter were living in a two-bedroom flat nearby. Ali continued to try and facilitate her husband to see Connor, their son, and sometimes it offered an opportunity for Ali to see her daughter. Um, I would see her on the occasions perhaps where... Um, my son's dad came to collect him, so occasionally I would see her. Um, once she actually stayed at my house when um, my son went off with his dad, and we had a really, really nice time, but she just would not talk about it, and if she did, then she would just tell me a whole pack of lies. So she made up this whole fantasy. I think the two of them probably sat together and concocted a story of, well, you know, if mum asks, what shall I say? And she said, you know, I don't really know what's going on. I think I'm going to move out and go and live with a friend. And I said, you can come back here. No, 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 I'm going to go and live with my friend. It's fine. Um, obviously, she didn't do that. And she said, you know, no, I don't think he's got a girlfriend or anything. And, and on Valentine's Day, he brought, he put a bottle of wine outside the door. That was my daughter. And I think that was her way of, of saying, you know, oh, mum, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry and uh, everything is, is OK and trying to convince me that perhaps what I had imagined, in inverted commas, was my imagination, when actually I knew that I hadn't imagined anything. But it took me two years to prove that what I knew had happened had happened. Neither her daughter or husband would admit to what was going on. At times I think Ali just wondered if she was going mad and doubted her convictions as to what was happening. So he was trying to make out that like he had just taken your daughter mm. with him to look after her in a sort of father-daughter relationship. Mm. That's exactly what he said. And she turned 18 not long after they left. And he had the audacity to say to me, my mum arranged an 18th birthday party uh, for your daughter because you didn't. And I looked at him and said, she isn't here. She's gone with you. What, what did you want me to do? And he said, well, I just think it's disgusting that a mother wouldn't arrange an 18th for their own child. He could not see that he had done anything wrong um, at all. It was apparently all my fault. It left the three of them in shock. I was just so angry about it. Um, I think I probably said what I wanted to say to her, which was probably along the lines of things like, how can you do this to your own mum, your family, someone that um, who's brought you up, who's been here for you, done all of these things for you, um, gone through so much stuff with you, um, helped you in loads of different ways, like you know, obviously like mums do and stuff, and then this is how you think it's... Um, this is how you repay your, your mum that's done all this to you. And things like, how, 
do not feel guilty. What about my brother, me? Obviously, uh, the relationship between all of us. Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't get it. It's, how can you do that to someone? Even if, like, for instance, she was like, oh, this guy's amazing. He's great. Um, it would still be in 99.9% .9 of people's heads. How could you do this to your own mum? What am I doing? Like, from her perspective, um, I don't know what would be going through her head. So it was... For me, it would have been a case of understanding why she wanted to do that sort of thing and why she thinks it's acceptable and where's the apologies and stuff for completely ripping that part of the family um, apart. I'm sure it has had a devastating effect on them all. Connor explained how it was after his dad and sister left. She went through a lot of breakdowns, so there'll be a lot of moments where she would try and cope with it and she would really bottle everything up and try and stay strong for me and get me through everything and then... She'd have a day where all of a sudden she'd completely break down into tears and then obviously that's really difficult as a child to watch but also I can imagine as an adult it's even harder. So there was days where she'd cope and she'd kind of get through what she was feeling and then there'd be days where it just kind of, she'd just crumble. So that's what kind of I remember in terms of situation. I think still sometimes she has a couple of days where it happens, you know. It's not something you ever really get over. Living so close to her husband and daughter began to take its toll on Ali and her son, Connor. So I, uh, when he left, he went to an adjacent town to where we lived. He had sold our house um, to put money into the business. So when he left, I lost everything. I lost my income. He took the business. He took my car. Uh, he gave me no income, nothing. So I was in a rented house. Um, and he came a couple of times to the town that we lived in, which was a very small town. And so there wasn't really any way you could hide. And I actually saw him quite merrily walking around where we lived. And at that point, I decided there was no way I could stay there anymore because my poor son was in bits thinking he was going to see his dad. So Ali made the decision to move them down to Devon, having checked with Ben that he didn't want to join them too. Connor remembers. I think he was old enough to go and live on his own. So I think he went and lived with a friend. Um, but in terms of my mum, me and my brother and her are all really close, so it was a really challenging and difficult decision for her. And I think a big part of her wanted just to bring my brother along, even if he didn't want to, you know, being a mother. Um, yeah, I think it was a really difficult decision for her, but she knew at the same time it had to be a decision he made. I remember making the move. Um, I don't remember how the order of events went, but I remember being in several different places in the southwest. Um, the first one of which I remember was Paynton, uh, with some... With a man, with a guy she met. I think you can hear in Connor's voice that this didn't work out well. Ali explains more. Yeah, so I uh, moved to Devon um, and um, met someone. It's it's friends' advice. Can I just say to to people who listen to friends' advice, please listen to your own advice and your own gut instinct. All of my friends said, "You're so lovely. Go dating. Go and find someone else." And I wasn't really in any great place, but I thought, okay, fine. Well, that's a good idea. Maybe I should. So I met someone who seemed, on the face of it, very nice. He brought his sons up. Um, he seemed very sensible. But again, do you know what? My gut instinct was going off and all the warning bells and I just took no notice. And this guy actually was probably as bad, if not worse, um, than my husband. And I found out he was taking drugs. He hid them. My instinct led me to where they were and I found them very well hidden in the house. Um, and he was very abusive. He would sit and talk to me with his hand around my throat and he would say things like, you'll never leave me because I'll cut you into tiny pieces and bury you in the garden. He said, when you die, I'm going to have you stuffed and sit 
sit you at the kitchen table reading a newspaper. And, you know, it, it will sound ridiculous to anyone listening, but I just thought, oh, that's really sweet. He must really care about me. I mean, where my brain was at, I have no idea. And I, you know, I trivialise that perhaps. I mean, it's obvious this was from years of being told things about yourself and, and you you really expect that that's how people behave. Connor soon became aware of this guy's aggressive tendencies. He seemed really nice initially. He seemed a bit, maybe a bit strange, a bit different, but he seemed like really nice as a person. Um, and then we moved in together and he just slowly got stranger and stranger and just not what I'd expected. So he got all of a sudden, his temper would just flip completely. I remember one time he got incredibly angry at me for something really trivial and he just threatened me with some samurai sword he had on a uh, mantelpiece. I think Ali is shocked looking back on his behaviour. I think on reflection, she can see the way this man treated her and the way her husband had just treated her was really bad. But when she was in the midst of it, and we will find out more about the background she had come from, she couldn't see the patterns of behaviour and how destructive it was. Um, But it wasn't until he hit me one day that um, I realised that was enough. And I was studying at the time for my postgraduate certificate in education because I'd gone back to university to become a teacher. And I went into college and I said to my my friends on the course what had happened. And the tutor, bless her, said to me, please go and phone Women's Aid. So I said, oh, I really don't think I should. And they said, please phone Women's Aid. So I went to the call box outside the college, rang them up. Um, they give you some questions to answer. So I answered the questions and they said, you know, how do you think you did? And I said, I think I've wasted your time. And they said, no, you got 13 out of 15. He's incredibly dangerous because he's so unpredictable. Ali knew she had to do something. Find out in part two what happened next. Thank you to Ali, Ben and Connor for talking to us. Part two next week, when we'll learn more about Ali's early life, what happened with her daughter and what came next. Here are our take on some of the themes from this programme on Backchat this Friday, where Claire and I will discuss the many questions arising from this episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts too. We are the Backstory Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at the Backstory Pod on Twitter. You can also get in touch through our website, thebackstorypodcast.co.uk, where you can find out more about us and get links to all our previous episodes. If you enjoyed this one, please help us grow our listenership by actively sharing this episode on social media. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Thanks again to our sponsor, James, from 16 Degrees Coaching. Don't let your backstory define your future. Email him, james at 16degreescoaching.co.uk. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit